Today is week four of the series, It's Okay Not to Be Okay, and I want to talk to you from this thought, the danger of religion, the danger of religion. Some of you know my story. I grew up in, we woke Oklahoma, and I was living a wild life. I was chasing the girls. I was pumping my mind full of junk. I was being rebellious, and I walked into the football locker room at a Fellowship of Christian Athletes meeting and gave my life to Jesus. When I gave my life to Jesus, I was full on. Jesus changed my life, and I was sold out to Jesus, and, and that following Sunday, I went and got baptized in water like many of you are going to do next week. I went public for Jesus right away and got baptized and declared that I'm living my life for Jesus. A week or two later, I got plugged into a community group with some other teenagers and began to grow in my faith, began to grow spiritually in that small group setting, beginning to get, to get rooted and, and grounded in my faith. I was on fire for God. I, I carried my Bible to school everywhere I went. I I didn't care. I was a student body president of, and we, we, we woke up, but I didn't care what they thought about me. I took my Bible everywhere that I went. I read it at lunch break. I read it after practices. I was on fire for Jesus Christ. Shortly after that, I began to preach at the age of 17. My youth pastor gave me the opportunity. He saw something on my life that I didn't even see on my life at the time. And he had me preach in front of the youth group. And then some other opportunities, small opportunities opened up. And we woke up and I began to preach the gospel on fire for Jesus Christ. And soon afterwards, one afternoon, I was at home. And some men, about three men from a local church, pulled up at my home. And they knocked on the front door, and I opened the door. And, of course, growing up in a small town, I recognized who these men were. Had not had really any, any interaction with them, but I recognized them. And let them in and sat down, and they began to tell this teenager who had recently given his life to Christ, who was on fire for Jesus. My life had been changed. And they said to me, Herbert, you're going to hell. And the message that you're preaching to people are going to send them to hell as well. You see, these men were very religious, very traditional, and they had some traditional things that they felt like, hey, you're not lining up with our particular tradition because you're not, you're going to hell and other people are going to hell because they're listening to what you're telling them. Some of you know what I'm talking about, about, about tradition and religion, and some of you grew up around the church or in church, and how many of you remember back in the day some religion, some things like this? If you go to the movies, you're going to go to hell. Anybody remember that, huh? Come on. If you have a television in your home, you're going to hell. Anybody remember that, huh? If you play football, you're going to hell. That's what they used to come on. If you wear jeans to church, God forbid it, you for sure going to hell. Anybody remember that, huh? I'm going to hell every week. I mean, you know that right now. Yeah, yeah. But that, that literally, I mean, that, that kind of stuff was taught and and sad Re religion. And you, you know what I learned? Because, man, when, when religion attacked me like that, 
I was perplexed as a teenager. I was confused. I mean, here I was full on for Jesus, and these men threw me a curveball, told me I was going to hell, and I was so confused. It caused me to dive into God's Word like never before to figure out my own faith for myself. But what I've learned about religion is religion is so dangerous. It, put rule, it, put, it puts rules before relationship. Religion says you better be okay before you come to God. You better have your act together before you come to God. Listen, you can't come just any old way. You have to come together. You, listen, you better just fake it then. You better not be authentic because when you come to God, when you come to church, you've got to come a certain way. And religion oftentimes distorts people's view of God. It pushes people away from Jesus instead of to Jesus. And today we're going to look at a story in the Bible where religion meets Jesus. And incredible things can happen when religion meets Jesus. And in this story, there was a woman, the Bible says, caught in the act of adultery, caught in a sin. They brought, the religious leaders brought her to Jesus. And let me set the stage. The religious leaders did not like Jesus. Jesus was, was preaching the gospel, the gospel of peace. He was, he was preaching to people. He was ministering to the hurting and the broken and the lost. He was preaching to the poor. He was ministering to the lame and the withered and those who had leprosy. I mean, there were many that he was ministering to that the others would have said they're unlovable. But Jesus was ministering to them. He was healing them. He was healing the sick and the lame and the leper and, the, and those who were, who were hurting and deaf and blind. Jesus was ministering ministering to them, and, and the religious leaders did not like Jesus. They didn't like the message he was preaching. They didn't like his love and acceptance and the way he was reaching out to hurting people and offering them life and healing. They did not like it. And so they bring this woman caught in a sin, and they bring her before Jesus, and they brought this woman to trap Jesus. And religion meets Jesus. And today, I want to give you three differences between religion and Jesus. Three differences between religion and Jesus. Number one is this. Religion plays favorites, but God plays fair. Religion plays favorites, but God plays fair. I want us to look at the text, this story. In John chapter 8, I'll be there for the majority of our time. I will deviate a couple of times, but the majority of our time we're going to be unpacking and I'll be teaching out of John chapter 8 today. And I want to begin in verse number 3. It says, the teachers of the law, the religious leaders, and the Pharisees brought in a woman caught in adultery. Notice it's a woman caught in adultery. They made her stand before the group. The religious leaders brought the woman but not the man. Where's the man? He is equally as guilty. He should have been dragged along with the woman, but religion plays favorites. Religion has a double standard. It says we'll accept these people, but not those people. We'll accept these issues, but not those issues. Religion says this sin is worse than that sin. And there's no doubt about it that there are different degrees of consequences depending on the sin. 
but I want you to understand something about God. God in God's eyes, sin is sin. In God's eyes, sin is sin. The writer of James says it like this in chapter 2 and verse number 10. For whoever keeps the whole law and yet stumbles at just one point, one point. Come on, a little audience participation. Come on, all the locations. Just look at your neighbor. Come on, everybody participate. Look at your neighbor and say, I know you messed up before. Go ahead and tell them that. Yeah, I know. Come on. With your pretty self. With your handsome self. With your pretty shoes. With that nice cologne on. I know you've messed up. Yeah. And the scripture teaches this. Whoever keeps the whole law and yet stumbles at just one point is guilty of breaking all of it. God says, I don't play favorites. Sin is sin. And Jesus shows us this as he deals with the religious leaders, as he deals with this lady. He, he bears this out for us. And I want us to see this in John chapter 8 and verse number 7. It says, when they kept on questioning him. You see, the religious leaders, they were questioning Jesus. Come on, Jesus. You know what the law says. We're supposed to stone her. We're supposed to kill her. Come on, Jesus. What are you going to do? What are you going to do? We're supposed to kill this lady. And when they kept on questioning him, he straightened up because Jesus had begun to ride in the dirt. They were questioning him, and Jesus began to ride in the dirt. And he finally straightened up, and he said to them, let anyone of you who is without sin be the first to throw a stone at her. Jesus says, you religious leaders, feel free to stone her, but only if you're without sin. See, religion plays favorites. Religion thinks my sin isn't as bad as your sin. But Jesus reminds us that we all need the cross. Jesus reminds us that we all need his blood to cover our sins. No matter how big or how small you think your sin might be, Jesus loves you. He wants to forgive you. Sin is sin, and we all need Jesus, his love, his forgiveness, his grace. Sin is sin. I want you to understand that Jesus loves you no matter if you're red, yellow, black, or white, and so does people's church. I just want you to know that. And I want you to understand something about Jesus because, listen, he doesn't play favorites. Jesus, he loves the cold-blooded murderer just as much as he loves the liar. Jesus loves the bank robber just as much as he loves the Christian school teacher. Jesus loves the drug addict just as much as he loves the Christian businessman. Jesus died for every person and for every sin. And some of you need to hear this today because you feel that your sin is worse than others. Some of you, 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 you deeply feel that God loves some sinners, but there's no way he could love a sinner like me. You just don't know what I've done. God, there's no way he loves me. Look, look at all of my mistakes. And that's not God talking. That's religion talking to you. Because God loves you. He wants a relationship with you no matter what you've done. No matter where you find yourself in life. No matter how far gone you think you are. God loves you deeply. He desires to forgive you. He desires a relationship with you. I just want to, for a few moments, talk to the Christians, the followers of Jesus today 
I'm so grateful that there are many people that come to People's Church who haven't yet crossed the line of faith, and they're exploring Christianity, and they're exploring the claims of Christ. And I'm so glad you're here checking out faith in Jesus. But to the followers of Jesus, to, to the Christians, let, let, let's also, let's, let's never forget that discipleship is a process and not an event. Discipleship is a lifelong journey of becoming more and more and more and more like Jesus. And we're all at different places on the journey. We're strong in some areas and weak in other areas. And we have the tendency to judge other people, to become critical of other people based on our strengths. And we start sizing up people and judging people. You don't love Jesus as much as I love Jesus. Because, look, I'm strong here, and we judge people, and we become critical of people that are not as strong as us in areas, and yet when we do that, we forget that we have weak areas. You know how we can do it? Child, can you believe them? Child, they lie. I'm telling you, they will lie to your face. They're just a liar. I, I would never lie. But you cuss. They lie, you cuss, y'all both got issues, you both need Jesus, you both need his blood, you both need to grow in the Lord, but we like to size people up and, and judge them. Child, I can't believe they smoke. Child, they smoke, I think they smoke two packs a day, they smoke. I would never smoke, I would never hurt the temple of the Lord. Well, you don't smoke, but you eat five pieces of cake every day. Come on. Come on, they smoke, you eat too much cake, you're both hurting the temple. Come on, all I'm saying is we love to size people up and get critical and judge people. And listen, we're all on a journey with Jesus. Drop your stone. Quit picking up a stone and trying to kill people. Instead, help people be more like Jesus Christ. God doesn't play favorites. God plays Fair, and he wants us all to grow more, to be more like his son, Jesus. We're on a journey with God. Religion plays favorites. God plays fair. There's a second difference between religion and Jesus that I want you to see in the text. The second is this, religion condemns and Jesus convicts. Religion condemns, Jesus convicts. Notice this in John 8 and verse number 9. It says, at this, those who heard began to go away one at a time. See, Jesus was riding in the sand. He straightened up after riding in the sand in the dirt, and he says to them, he that is without sin, cast the first stone. And when they heard this, the scripture says they began to go away one at a time. The older ones first, until only Jesus was left with the woman still standing there. Jesus straightened up and asked her, woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? And friends, can I tell you, those religious leaders brought her to condemn her. They were condemning her. They were ready to stone her. He says, has no one condemned you? This lady could have easily responded. Well, Jesus, no, they're not condemning me now because you stepped in. <laughs> but they were condemning me. But she responds in verse number 11, no one, sir, she said. Notice these powerful words from Jesus. Then neither do I condemn you. The religious teacher's response to this lady's sin was condemnation. But Jesus didn't condemn the lady. Jesus doesn't condemn. He convicts. 
He doesn't condemn us. He convicts us. And there's a big difference between the two. I want you to see this. I want you to see this in the scripture. Jesus convicts, not condemns. John chapter 3 and verse 17 says, for God did not send his son. We, we love John 3 and verse 16, but verse 17 is equally as powerful. God did not send his son Jesus into the world to condemn the world. He didn't send his son to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Jesus convicts to change us, but religion and Satan condemns to destroy us. There's a big difference. The scripture says in 2 Corinthians chapter 7 and verse 10, the apostle Paul says godly sorrow, conviction, the spirit of God's conviction. Godly sorrow, notice this, brings repentance, brings about change in our lives that leads to salvation and leaves no regret but worldly sorrow you see there are some things that can be happening in somebody's heart that is not the work of the spirit there can be worldly sorrow or condemnation worldly sorrow condemnation brings death Jesus convicts to change us Satan uses religion to condemn us so that he can destroy us so many people struggle with condemnation. So many, so many people are not growing in their faith like they should because of condemnation. Satan condemns with generalities to destroy us. Jesus convicts with specifics to change us. Satan condemns. Jesus convicts. Satan destroys. Jesus changes. Some of you are feeling that right now from the enemy. He's using religion to condemn you, to destroy you. You see, Satan whisper thing, he whispers things like this to you. You're a horrible spouse. You're a horrible husband. You're a horrible wife. I don't even know why you got married. Look at you. You're pathetic. And he condemns you. But Jesus, he didn't come to condemn the world. He came to convict, to save the world. And he convicts us to change. And he'll convict you with specifics. He'll say, listen, go to your wife. Go to your husband. Apologize. Come on, forgive. Don't, don't, don't keep the animosity. Go, go and make it right. Go and work on your marriage. And he'll convict you to bring about change. You see, Satan will even say this to Christians. Look at you. You only read your Bible once last week. Call yourself a Christian. You only prayed twice in the last month. You call yourself, you don't really love God. Look at you. Look at you. You're just a worthless Christian. And he will condemn you with generalities to destroy you. But Jesus, he convicts to change you. So he'll whisper to your heart, hey, tomorrow would you block some time off? Come on, this week I want you to set some time aside to spend with me. I want you to get in my presence. I want you to get in my word. I want to make you more like me. I want to renew your mind. And he'll convict you to get you to change. And he doesn't condemn to destroy. He convicts to change. You see, Satan will say things like this to condemn you. He'll say, look at you. You're engaging in sex outside of marriage. You're dirty. You're nasty. You're filthy. And I can't even believe you came to church. You're in church. What's wrong? You know you can't come to church. But Jesus convicts with specifics to change us. And he'll whisper to your heart, I want you to be pure in that relationship. I have so much more for you. 
I don't want you to continue to hurt yourself and hinder all that I have for you. And he'll convict you to change you, not to destroy you. He wants you to change. You see, Satan will whisper things like this to you. Look at you. You can't change. You're, you, you blew it. You failed today. You're just a failure. You're a loser. I don't know why you even try. You just ought to quit. Just quit. Why are you even trying to serve God? Just quit. Look at you. You failed again. Look at you. failed again today. And he'll condemn you. And yet Jesus whispers with conviction, hey, there's grace available to you. There's forgiveness for you. Come on, I want you to go to work and I want tomorrow, go to school tomorrow, go to work tomorrow, and I want you to stop cussing at people. Stop it. Come on, act nice. Quit, quit gossiping. Quit talking about people. Come on, you're, you're destroying your life, you're destroying your career, you're destroying yourself at work. Come on, I want you to go and change your behavior. Come on, quit having an attitude, and he will convict you to change you. Jesus convicts to change us, to change us. Satan uses religion to condemn us so that he can destroy us. This leads me to point number three. Point number three, there's a third difference between religion and Jesus. Number three is this. Religion destroys you, and Jesus gives you life. This is so key. Don't miss this. Satan destroys you, but Jesus gives you life. Check it out in the text, John chapter 8 and verse 4. It says, and said to, Je and said to Jesus, teacher, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. In the law, Moses commanded us to stone such women. Now what do you say? And they're trying to trap Jesus. These men caught this woman in the act of adultery. They brought her to Jesus, not to help her, to stone her. You see, in those days, the law permitted that someone caught in that type of sin could literally be stoned to death, could lose their life. And those men, that's exactly what they had in mind. We're going to stone this woman. But Jesus gives life. And I want you to keep this in mind. Jesus was the only one that day present who was qualified to stone that woman. Jesus was the only one present who had never sinned, who had never fallen short of God's standards. He was the only one there that was righteous and holy. And Jesus could have easily grabbed stones and began to stone this woman. Just stone her and stone her and stone her until she breathed her last breath. And then Jesus could have said, justice served. Justice served. She got what she deserved according to the law. Jesus could have easily done that and would have been justified. But Jesus meets a woman who's broken, who's hurting, who's full of shame, who's jumping from relationship to relationship, and instead of killing her and condemning her, Jesus reaches out to her and offers her grace and forgiveness and new life that only comes through him. He did not condemn her so that he could destroy her. He came and he was giving her life because Jesus gives life. I want you to see, it's one of my favorite scriptures in the Bible. If you've been a Christian for some time, you probably have this verse memorized. In John chapter 10 and verse 10, it says, it says, it says the thief, the, the enemy, Satan, comes only to steal and kill and to destroy. Jesus says, notice this, I have come 
that they may have life and have it to the full. Come on, everybody say this word with me. Everybody say full. I want you to catch that. Jesus says, I've come to give you life and life to the full. Hey, lady, I know you deserve to die. I know you're not okay. I know you're at your lowest point you've ever been in your life. I know you're full of shame. But today I step in and I give you hope, give you life, give you forgiveness. And what I love about Jesus is he believes in this woman's potential. Jesus doesn't beat her up. He gets her up. I want you to notice this in John chapter 8 and verse number 11. He says, no one, sir, she said, lady, who's condemned you? No one, sir, then neither do I condemn you. Jesus declared, check this out. He says, go now and leave your life of sin. Lady, it's okay not to be okay, but it's not okay to stay that way. I change people's lives. Go and leave your life of sin. And Jesus believes in this lady. You know what Jesus could have declared? He could have told this lady. He could have said, hey, lady, you know what? I'm not going to stone you, but just go on. I mean, there's no hope for you. You're not going to ever live any differently. You're going to keep living the same old life. You're just going to keep jumping from relationship to relationship. I mean, you know what? There'll be forgiveness for you. But you know what? You're not going to really change. There's no, there's no hope for you. Jesus didn't say that. He finds a woman who's broken, who nobody believes in. They want to stone her. Nobody thinks her life is worthy. Uh, she's not worthy of life any longer and Jesus meets a woman who's broken and battered and he says to her listen lady I believe in you go and sin no more lady stop hurting yourself stop jumping from relationship to relationship stop looking for love in all the wrong places. Listen, lady, I didn't come to condemn you. I've came to give you life and life more abundantly. And right now, lady, you're living on this level. And I desire for you to have a full life. And I desire you to live on this level. Can I tell you that some of you today, you see, some of you are living on this level. And you find yourself living in sin and disobedient to God. And Jesus convicts you. He, listen, he doesn't convict you today to destroy you. He's not trying to keep you from fun. He's not trying to keep you from a thrill. He convicts you because he says, listen, you don't even realize you're not experiencing life and life more abundantly. You're not experiencing life to the full. You're missing out on all that I have for you. Because when you get in sin and you're trapped in sin, you become blinded. Matter of fact, some of you, you really think that you think, oh, Pastor, I'm good. I'm good. I'm right. But you don't even realize that you're living at this level. And Jesus came to give you life and life to the full. Why would you want to stay here when Jesus wants to take you here and here and here and here? Leave your life of sin because I've got so much more. I believe in you. You're living beneath your potential. I want to raise you up. I want to give you life and life more abundantly. Don't live beneath what I have for your life. You're cutting yourself short. You're missing out on my blessings. Lady, go and leave your life of sin. I'm not trying to keep something from you. I, I have something for you. I want to give you life and life to the full. That's what Jesus does. He comes and he finds people. And he says, it's okay not to be okay. I'll take you just like you are. I love you just like you are. I love you right where you are. But I love you too much to let you stay that way. 
I believe in you when nobody else believes in you. When nobody else thinks you can be free. When nobody else thinks you can be different. When nobody else thinks your life could ever amount to anything. I'll find you broken and battered and say, lady, I believe in you. I don't condemn you. Listen, lady, go and leave your life of sin. I believe in your potential. And Jesus is speaking to somebody today. And you're living beneath all that God has for you. And he's not trying to keep something from you. He has something so much more for you. Because he's a God that gives life and life to the full. There's a difference between religion and Jesus.